You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's up, everybody? Welcome into your Stanley Cup final pregame show. Oh, wait a minute. I'm sorry. You're into Sunday Smash. He's Aslan. I am Tom. We are hanging out with you for the uh, next 15 minutes until Michael Langston joins the program on Sunday Smash. But we're talking all things FSU here on Sunday Smash. Aslan is a wizard when it comes to all of the multimedia offerings we have here on Warchant TV. Uh, I'll say hello to him in just a minute, but I got to remind you, everybody, hit the like button underneath this video. Let's see if we can get that sucker up to 100 likes real fast. We want Noel fans to be congregating here. They've got a new baseball coach in Tallahassee. They got a new commitment in Tallahassee. It's going to be a full, full show today. Aslan, what's going on, man? How you doing? Good, Tom Lang. How are you, friend? Man, it's been a busy day. It's been a good day. You know, an actual offensive lineman who's a four-star committed to Florida State this afternoon. I don't know if you heard about that. But uh, Roderick Kearney, who you know him, Roderick yeah. Kearney uh, said yes to Florida State. So that'll be uh, the headline when Michael Langston joins us in just about 15, 10, 15 minutes. And uh, there's also eight official visitors on campus this weekend. But before we get to Link Jarrett, who uh, is introduced as Florida State's 10th baseball coach tomorrow morning here in Tallahassee, I figured I'd ask you about Kearney because you went out to Orange Park. Uh, on the east coast of the state, and you filmed a one-on-one interview with Michael and Roger Kearney. How did the kids strike you during that whole process, and what anecdotes do you have about what kind of player Florida State just got? Large human being, uh, good hips. I mean, he seemed very flexible. We were there when he was doing a workout in the uh, the gym with his teammates, and it was like, all right, for a big dude, he's moving quite nimble, quite agile, mm-hmm. uh, which is something that obviously I saw at the big man camp last week. Alex Atkins was really drilling his guys, and you could see the ones that were able to perform the drills that required agility were the guys that they always was would focus on at the big man camp. So I'm sure Kearney kind of fits that sort of bill, but yeah, like you said, four star, that's a big deal, man. This is, and also a kid that I think if I'm not mistaken was in Gainesville earlier today and like is five minutes out of that town is like, actually, you know, let me go ahead and call him and get this thing done. So that's a cool thing. Yeah. Alex Atkins did Florida dirty today because he was literally on campus in Gainesville. And I don't even know if he made it to I-75 by the time that he uh, decided to release it on social media. He saw what he needed to see in Gainesville to say, no, Alex Atkins is on fire right now. When you consider that there's 10 newcomers in the offensive line this fall camp, they hit the transfer portal. They hit the high school scene. An overhaul is in progress on the O-line. And there's more than just this particular kid, Roger Kearney, who are considering Florida State in terms of blue chippers. So it's been a really, really solid sequence of events for Alex Atkins. But uh, we'll, we'll talk more about recruiting again in just a little bit. If you've got questions uh, regarding recruiting, put those in the chat now. Director Matthew, who is uh, directing the program, will pull those up when Michael joins us. But uh, Link Jarrett was the big news, and that was breaking news on Friday. We had gotten wind on Thursday night that this was all going to be put in motion a Friday morning. Uh, not a news dump, but a, a proud news release from Florida State. Uh, that's a big deal, Aslan. Florida State doesn't hire a baseball coach just any day. Uh, it's not a, a revolving door for this program. What are some of your thoughts on on how Link Jarrett um, maybe invigorates this fan base that had been a little bit dormant for a while? You know, when you know when Eleven was on his way out, and we were talking about on the podcast, Wake Up War Chant with Corey Clark. Uh, you know, Corey was 
Corey convinced me that Mike Martin Jr. was going to be a good hire, and it was good. I thought it'd be a good hire too. He finally convinced me on it. Him and Link, I think, on paper in 2019, you you really couldn't say that Link was going to be a better hire than Mike Martin Jr. Then they both had jobs, Division One, Power Five, ACC jobs, and you saw uh, which guy was better. So, like, part of me is a little bit sort of you know melancholy because I, I thought the coolest thing ever in all of sports in my lifetime would be Tyler Martin at the plate. Or Tyler Martin in the field, handling the last out of a game, double box, meet standing on the stop steps of the dugout watching it, 11 in the crowd with Carroll in Omaha, watching them get the last out to finally win Florida State's first College World Series. So I was all in on a Martin being the guy that was going to be able to do it. Uh, after two and a half seasons, I mean, I, I can't say whether or not we, I, I think meet would have been able to do it. Um, but Link Jarrett has me reinvigorated to your, to your uh, uh, question, Tom. I just think, uh, what he did at, you know, Greensboro, I think the first three years they didn't have, you know, they were sub 500, but after that, uh, they were competing for conference championships. What he did at Notre Dame, they were 11 and two in that COVID shortened season. They go to a super last season. They lose on the road to the eventual national champs. They take down the number one overall seed this year. I mean, it's, there is nothing not to like about this hire. And this comes from a guy that that's kind of cynical on pretty much everything that happens. Uh, <laughs> he was the number one guy on the list, right, Tom? And we got him. Yeah. What, what's the complaint about? And we got him for a bargain. Don't you think $875,000 for the first two years compared yes. to nine guys in the SEC make a million or more, including the dude that he beat in Knoxville? Uh, everything checks, all the boxes checked off, man, all of them. Yeah, he was the list. Um, you know, just reading the tea leaves of when the decision was made, or at least made public, that Mike Martin Jr. was no longer going to be the head coach at Florida State. Uh, Link Jarrett was the list. And I think a couple of things are in play there to get him for under a million dollars a season. Number one, hometown discount. There's no doubt that he took a hometown discount and probably uh, reallocated some of those funds either to the assistant pool which was in the letter of understanding at $450,000 a year for two assistants plus a full-time staff member. Then also term. It's like anything else in free agency in professional sports. If you're going to give me more years, my average annual value can go down a little bit. So I think those two things were at play. Uh, but it's just it's a big-time day for Michael Alford as well tomorrow. Uh, it caps a, a, a – I don't know if I want to call it successful sequence just yet because it's got to play out on every playing field. But he has been aggressive. He's been decisive. Uh, he's fended off the SEC for the softball coach. He went and poached the number one candidate in America for baseball. Uh, he made a quick move to replace the soccer coach where there was uh, some kind of personal dust up there. We, we won't get into the baggage too much. Uh, he's made a hire for women's basketball. I mean, Michael Alford's been a busy man in six months, Aslan. And, and this seems to me, at least from the outside, and, and I wonder what your thoughts are, but this seems to be, uh, about the most cohesive uh, and unified the athletic department the, and organized the athletic department has been here in Tallahassee in some time. The alignment yeah. is incredible, man. And to your point, just all the all the jobs that he's needed to fill, the amount of resources they've been able to divert to football, whether that's support staff, whether it's the new football, like the locker rooms and all that sort of stuff. Um, I mean, the way they're re-envisioning Dote Campbell Stadium and trying to sell uh, and upgrade that just – He's doing a pretty bang up job, man. Um, it, it's it's incredible. I mean, I I think you really have to go back to Dave Hart, and I don't even think Dave Hart had enough of these sort of data points in such a short amount of time to really make you feel good about the direction of the athletic program. You know, it's it's a place that for so long was run like a mom and pop shop, and I and I don't say that like in a derisive manner, man. It just but it Florida State just kind of made it work with Bobby Bowden for so long. Um, I mean, he's the first real kind of visionary or had been around big time programs, you know, being in Oklahoma, being around Southern Cal. Um, I mean, a guy that, that had been around big time programs and knows what you have to put into him to make it work. And yeah, you don't get Mark Corian, but you can't get them all. Uh, everything else though, uh, has you feeling really excited about uh, not only his vision, but his ability to get everybody in an alignment to, to be able to go after these hires and get it all done. We'll return to the talk for uh, about Michael Alford in just a moment. But a reminder, Director Matthew, he, he's he's a pro. Look at that scroll underneath. ABC Fine Wine and Spirits is bringing you tonight's program here, Sunday Smash. If you want a celebratory cocktail uh, because uh, a four-star offensive lineman has said yes to Florida State, feel free. Aslan's having a sip. You can have a sip, too. And do you like bourbons out there, rare bourbons? If you're a person who likes them, become a member, an ABC Rewards member, an access member to ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. If you rack up enough points, you get into something called the vault where you can find rare bourbons and scotches and whiskeys. 
that's really cool. And our friends at ABC are great sponsors here at Warchant TV. Uh, what's interesting now, Aslan, to me is it's a different era for the athletic department. And that, that stands to reason. That's obvious. But what I'm saying is, you know, in the Dave Hart days, you had coaching hires that and, and uh, positions, uh, coaches in positions that have been there for decades or they were going to be entrenched at Florida State. And now it feels much more like a normal athletic department that a lot of other programs have been dealing with for years and years and years. It's a meritocracy. Uh, it, it's not going to be a warm and fuzzy 20 or 30 year project for a lot of these coaches. It's it's very modern day athletics. And I wonder because you went to Florida State, you've been around these parts for a long time. You've covered big time college football and big time college athletics in other markets. Does that change the way that you feel about day to day operations at Florida State now that it seems to be like most other athletic departments? Like, how do you view it? compared to the way, obviously, it was viewed, you know, not too long ago, five, ten years ago, where you've got the same people coaching the same sports for a long, long time. Well, I mean, there's, there's like, no turning back, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. what, adapt or die? I mean, that's what they've had to do here. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's people in more that might have been shocked and taken aback by Mike Martin Jr. only getting two and a half seasons. I mean, you can probably count me in there. I mean, I'm, I was very surprised. But then we, you know, we talked about it enough. You know, you and Jeff would talk about it. Corey, I and myself, like, what do you do with a guy that's on a four-year contract that's entering the last year of his contract that hasn't really lived up to your standards? So, uh, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think Alford's like a mercenary, or I don't think he's cold-blooded, uh, but I think he's shown the ability to to have tough situations and kind of work him work things out to where Florida State ends up on top. The the institution that these programs, uh, I mean, in the soccer program, you can't replace Mark Corian, but you got to make the best possible solution after that. Keeping Lonnie Alameda, like you said, what a huge win, especially when you have an SEC program coming at you. Again, getting like Link Jarrett. There's no matter what happens. I know this this sounds crazy, probably Tom. Right? No matter what happens to Link Jarrett, even if it doesn't work out, you can't say it's a bad hire, can you? Because I mean, right now, what we know, what he was, what who you're fighting off for, what you got him for, price wise, like there's that's just that was the right play. You know, I mean, sometimes guys drop passes in the end zone. Does that mean it was a bad play call? Do you fire the play caller? No, this guy didn't catch the ball. Um, just everything seems to be kind of, again, in alignment with a good vision, a strong vision of where they want to take this program. And no, man, I'm, I'm fine with, you know, guys only maybe being around here five or six years because, hey, if, if they're only around here five, six years, hopefully that's because they're winning and going to the pros or, you know, who knows how else they could work out their future. But no, I'm I'm fine with the, the, the state of college athletics, at least in that regards, of, of being impatient maybe to a certain degree with coaches. NIL, different story, Tom, different story. So sure. I'm around on that. No, but I agree with you. It's it's good process. You know, the result's not always going to work out if you're a poker player or a golfer or whatever. You know, it's good process. You're putting yourself in position. And, you know, if you get bit, it's not for the wrong reasons. You didn't blindly hope and make a hire because of hope or because of personal ties or whatever. The other thing I liked about Alford immediately when he took the job, and I know that he wasn't necessarily the first choice for Florida State, but he was the one that they landed on. He has been, it's like a, a, to use poker again, it's like a high stakes game. He's been in the negotiations where there are a lot of commas on the plate, you know, a lot of commas on, on the piece of paper, and he's not afraid of those moments. You need a person like that who's not afraid to ask for the money. And I think with the board of trustees, the new leadership there, Alford, Rising Spear becoming what it is, you've got people who are not afraid to deal in large numbers. And now that the athletic department has the votes, that's a good thing. We'll, we'll get to one off topic question in a moment before Michael joins the program. Aslan, I appreciate you opening here uh but we'll get one more question on sports and that's about fsu baseball yes or no aslan florida state gets to the final best of three in omaha in the next five seasons i'm not going to say win it because baseball is a lucky lucky sport uh you put yourself in position and, and see what happens but will they get to the best of three in omaha in the next five years oh man um i mean they haven't since what 1999 it's been forever uh, <laughs> it's it's a long time and it's tough to get out there and have things work out. I'll say optimistic. I'll say, yeah. I mean, Link got out there in, in the year three with Notre Dame, uh, give them two extra seasons uh, with a little bit of a better recruiting base. I'll say, yes, they'll make it to the final series. Well, uh, they won't not get there because of poor base running and poor defensive fundamentals. I, I think that's what we can buy into now. And even back in those days in the late nineties, there wasn't a best of three. If there was Florida state may have won more national championships it's like with football you lament that there wasn't a, a college football playoff in those days because those 14 straight Florida State teams would have been represented in the final a lot more than they ended up being because of a heartbreaking loss here or there but uh, I agree with you I just I think they're going to put themselves in position to win games by being greater than the sum of their parts 
when's the last time you could say that about an FSU baseball program? It's been a damn minute. Uh, the final off-topic question, though, Aslan, is from our friend Get Down or Lay Down. You know these users on Warchant TV and the chatters as much as anybody else. Gentlemen, what is your ABC fine wine uh, or spirit of choice? What would you go with, Aslan, if it's a, a cozy evening and you don't have responsibilities on the multimedia platforms at Warchant? What would you uh, sit back, kick back, and enjoy, if anything? I would go with, uh, I like mezcal. I'm in a mezcal mood right now. It's also summerish out there, Tom. I don't know how you bourbon people do this right now. It's hot out there. The brown water gets me. I go with probably like Vita, Vita mezcal, a uh, green bottle. I think that's what it's called. Um, or Bel Gloss, uh, Pinot Noir, little Russian Red Valley River uh, from Oregon. I think it's Oregon. Red wine, Bel Gloss. It's, it looks like Maker's Mark, everybody. It's got like the melted wax on the uh, neck of the bottle. So those are my recommendations. Dude, that's classy as hell. Both of those options are classy as hell. Good for you. Mezcal is good, too. I like peaty and smoky stuff, so that's the segue for me. It's uh, it's an Islay Scotch all day. If if anybody out there has their hands on a Laphroaig 15, they've discontinued it. Email me, tom at warchant.com, tom at warchant.com. I'll make you an offer. It won't be absurd, but it'll be a solid offer because uh, that's my favorite spirit, and they just don't make it anymore. Aslan, I appreciate it, man. I know you've been busy today as well. Thank you for stopping in on, on the smash and, and hanging out with me for a little bit. Yeah, ask ask Michael Langston if they should give Alex Atkins a contract extension or he should be head coach in waiting if it doesn't work <laughs> out this year. Let me know what he says. Yeah, that's another question. We'll bring that up probably before the show concludes, but we're about to go all recruiting. So the revolving door out goes Aslan. He's going to enjoy and root on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Here comes a Red Wings fan, if I have that right. Yeah, you uh, do. He's, he's Michael Langston. Michael, hey, we're getting together again. It's only been a few hours. How are you these uh, last couple of hours on a Sunday evening? I'm great. And uh, as you know, if I'm, you're a Red Wings fan, you hate one team, and that's the Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, so okay. uh, that's our bitter rival. So I say go Bolts. I'm with Diane tonight. So uh, let's do it. Let's get it done. But uh, besides that, we made it, Tom. We made it through yeah. June, man. Uh, we finally made it through June. Uh, a, a long month, uh, a lot of evaluations, a lot of camps, a lot of individual camps, a lot of big man camps and seven on seven. So uh, and then this weekend, they hosted eight official visitors. So very positive weekend. Got a commitment from Roger Kearney. So uh, I think everything's you know trending in the right direction with FSU as far as uh, you know, positive things in, in recruiting, football, baseball, basketball got a big commitment the other day. So uh, it's like a good weekend for FSU. Man, a lot of things are happening. Recruiting momentum in both football and basketball. You got a new baseball coach. It's not supposed to be this busy in June, Michael. Like I know for you, this is a busy season, but on the team side, we're supposed to be kind of light. Uh, there is no rest for the weary uh, covering Florida State. And that's a really good thing. Uh, at, at the conclusion of Smash, everybody, we've got a full video breaking down Roger Kearney's commitment and uh, some of the specifics that go into that. But, Michael, I'll ask you a different question that I didn't ask on the video as we'll roll some footage here in a second of him as well. You talked to him today. You talked to yeah. Roger Kearney, not just you know last month when you went out to uh, the east coast of the state and did a one-on-one -on -one interview, but you talked to him today. Give me some insight on what he told you and um, how, obviously, uh, he came to this decision. Yeah, um, it Obviously, we everyone knows about the job that Alex Atkins did. There's a connection there from the start, ever since going back to when he worked with him at the league camp uh, uh, last year. And um, I think I think the way he led to this was he wanted somebody that was going to be direct and straightforward. Like, hey, this is what we are. This is what FSU is. This is what our program is, and this is what we envision you to be. Not, hey, you're our number one guy on the list. Come here because we need help. It was more like being honest and genuine about kind of their situation. And I think that really, uh, really connected with, uh, with Rod from the start, the fact that they were so direct and honest. And, and two, we, we know what, what Atkins has done with, with offensive linemen already. He's, I mean, he's done a great job as far as developing them. He's a lot, uh, Roderick knew a lot of these players already on the team. So um, he spent a lot of time being around these guys, kind of seeing for himself. It wasn't just, Oh, Atkins is telling me this is what we're doing. Like he was around these guys. So he kind of saw kind of the stuff they do, the stuff uh, off the field, on the field. And I think it, it resonated from the start with him. And, and then um, I think they just closed the deal uh, just this summer, just really just knocked out of park. Uh, me and Aslan finally got one right that we actually went to see a recruit that uh, actually committed to FSU. So that's, that's always a positive. And, um, but I, I just think it's really, 
staying true to what you are and what your program is being built off of with, with Mike Norvell running the helm and then Alex Atkins being your offensive coordinator. I think they stuck to what their true core values were as far as the staff. And I think that's really one of the big reasons why they were able to, you know, pull it off with, with Roger can get him in the fold. So I'll ask you about uh, some more football official visitors this weekend. Again, it's just strange. You know, FSU has eight <laughs> official visitors on campus, and, and the commitment comes from the other side of the state. Uh, Director Matthews is going to be kind enough to play some of these highlights as we go. Uh, basically, Michael, I'm going to be picking off of uh, the, re- the premium recruiting board where you have your okay. recruiting app, and I'm going to go player by player. And if you don't mind just giving a, a synopsis of, of what you've heard and maybe some of the things that, that you wrote on the premium recruiting board, if you haven't okay. joined Warchan yet, what are you waiting on, folks? Uh, but we're going to start with the position that's most important. The bell cow of the class comes from the quarterback position more often than not in recruiting. And Chris Parson has been a player with a lot of noise in the system, but he was here. I saw the video. He was playing hoops with his brother last night yep. at Mike Corbell's house. Talk to me about Chris Parson's weekend in Tallahassee. Yeah, it was kind of... It was kind of different and weird, just in and awkward and all that. Same for, I guess, the media. But uh, everything seemed to be gelled and connected with with Chris when on on the visit. I mean, uh, obviously he likes toe cards a lot. Loves Norvell. Uh, really close with a lot of these players. Uh, er- everything seemed to be engaging. This wasn't a guy like, oh, if he's leaving the class, he's he's already checked out and he's just having fun. It wasn't that kind of visit. It was very engaging to everything, even helping recruit other guys, you know, so it didn't give off the vibe that, Hey, he's not going to stay with us. But at the same time, you know, FSU, we know FSU is recruiting two quarterbacks and, and at the end of the day, he's got to make, you know, a business decision on uh, if he's comfortable with that. And so that's what I kind of did FSU do enough to calm him as far as uh, making him feel comfortable with that situation. Uh, Because, you know, he was the first guy that that's committed to him, the only guy right now. And two, they, you know, he was the guy they targeted. They they made him, hey, you're your number one and all that stuff. So, I think the key is, did you do enough to make him feel comfortable and settled in that, hey, you're a dude, but we need two because you know we don't know what our situation is going to be in the future. So, I think that's really the question. I'm kind of fifty fifty if if he's actually going to stay or or go, but. I think the, the encouraging part, if you're looking for encouraging positives, is the engagement, the the stuff that he's done on the visit, the 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 way he's recruiting. Even when Roger Kearney committed, he seemed pretty excited that yeah. that they got Kearney. So those are positive signs. But um, you know, in the day we have to wait and see what Chris is going to do. Didn't talk to the media. We tried to talk to him twice today, and um, they uh, decided to didn't want to want to talk. So. That's really we're in a wait mode to see uh, if they did enough, and that's kind of where I'm at. And I'm still checking with a lot of different FSU contacts to see kind of, hey, what's y'all's vibe on this? You know, so maybe I'll know more tonight uh, as far as their feelings. You know, going into you know waiting to see what Chris is going to say. So we'll have more for you on Warchan about Parsons' uh, decision and how solid he is to Florida State. But I just want to ask you just about the player in your eyes, Michael. What what is a comp? For Parson, and uh, I guess related to that, you know, guys like Duffy or Purdy that this staff has brought in, where would you rate Parson's potential compared to those guys that uh, Mike Norbell's brought in? Yeah, I think with Chris, he, he's he's got a lot of um, when he runs, he's got a lot of Jordan Travis in him. When you watch him, he's very elusive, kind of Kyler Murray like, just you know, can can escape things that you look like <clears throat> you look like you have them, and then. He just makes a play. I think the part where you want to see growth is continuing to uh, be more consistent throwing the ball. He's got a great arm. I mean, there's videos of him throwing the ball 60 yards and certainly has the arm strength and all that stuff. And he's really good when the play breaks down. That's where he's at his best when things kind of get hairy, which probably sounds familiar uh, with Jordan Travis. But um, I think he does some a lot of similar things. Uh, The one thing I can say, he's probably a little more – you know, between space, a little more, you know, uh, elusive, uh, you know, and, and speedy. Probably, uh, I don't think he's quite as fast as, as Jordan because Jordan's one of the fastest quarterbacks in the country. But I think from an uh, athletic standpoint, I think I think they're somewhere there. College comp, I don't really, I can't really think of one offhand, but those are kind of, I mentioned some guys that he yep. does with his running ability that reminds me of. But I think the thing with him is just continuing to grow, you know, as a passer. 
he was he was named to the lead 11 finalist so we'll see how he does over there i think people can see a lot of these highlights i mean he, he's really freakish when he runs the ball so um my thing is i mean I'm not going to change what I've said before, whether he sticks with FSU or not. I, I think he should be a, a four-star prospect. I think he has the skills to do that. There's not many guys that can do what he does when the play breaks down, and um, he's so electric. And I think if, if that passing can continue to materialize, I think he, he could be a solid prospect, whether he ends up at FSU or not. Well, that's uh, there's an awful lot of potential there, and uh, yeah. we'll see if he sticks at FSU. But the other thing, you know, and, and this is just my own commentary, but it seems like this staff, Michael, no matter who they're talking to, there's not a whole lot of shadiness in communication. Uh, they're going to over-communicate rather than under-communicate, and they're being clear with this prospect that two have to come in. in yeah, and they, yeah, and they've said that, you know, I think they probably made that decision in probably early spring or late spring, and – <laughs> they told they had the conversation with Parson before they even went after another guy. It's like, look, we need to take two quarterbacks and people can argue and, and speculate what, what the reason why they decided to do that and yeah. and have a change on that. Um, but I think they were direct with, with Chris about it. They were direct this weekend again, like what they need to do as far as, you know, having those two quarterbacks. But um, that's the one thing about this staff. I mean, everything they do is genuine straightforward it's like you might not like it but we're going to tell you you know this is exactly what you want this is what exactly we expect this is what you do bad and 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 good and they're going to keep it real so let me ask you this question before we get to dale and smothers and he'll be next up on the list two really good running backs in town this weekend for florida state michael this is something that in the business we just kind of had to ignore in the past there's buffalo tom ortner asking or making a comment we're dropping bags sir well in the nil era you can acknowledge a comment like this uh, how is rising spear um, and potential NIL opportunities? I, I know they can't work in concert with the coaching staff given Florida's laws, but right. how present is a collective like that nowadays um, when it comes to making a presentation for Florida State? I know you got to dance around how, how that's done, but are we much better off than we were this time last year? Are the kids hearing uh, provisionally, of course, uh, from from rising spear in situations like when they're coming on OVs or they're starting to, to narrow down their lists. Yeah, there's a it's it's a big difference compared to a year ago where I was really concerned just on this before rising spear really came a thing, and then <clears throat> obviously they you got in with War uh, Path eight five zero and they connected and merged. But yeah, I think it's a big difference. I think a lot of these. I mean, I I've said this before. They're not going to go after and throw dough at every single guy, but a guy they value, FSU is going to be very competitive in that market, uh, no matter who it is. Um, I think I think they've shown that countless times. I think even with the official visitors, I know they were in contact with them before and after uh, I think they visited. So this, this group has done a really good job of of making sure, you know, who's a priority and going after them and, and, and making it known like, this is what we can do. This is what we can't do and, and, and go from there. But it's, it's always been competitive as far as ever since this group was really put together uh, with the NIL, I think they've done a great job. I think it's, it's certainly an improvement. Now there's still ways to go, especially when you're catching up with teams like Texas A&M and Tennessee and other schools that are a little farther ahead of what you're doing. But I think overall they've, it's been a, a solid improvement based on what it was last year. Yeah, Rising Spear is not afraid to, uh, on social media, you know, speak about the elephant in the room either. I, I put a video out the other night. I was like, this is me looking at Rising Spear. Was Lightning Coach doing this? And they retweeted it. I didn't even add them, and they retweeted it. I'm like, oh, man, all right, you're not afraid. You're not afraid yeah. to see that you're in it. So that, that's yeah. it. And these guys work hard. I mean, I mean, they they bring it. They, I mean, they put in a lot of hours uh, for this stuff, and they're taking it serious. It wasn't just like, oh, this is a hobby. We just want to help or whatever. FSU. I mean, they're really – serious and passionate about uh whatever they can do within reason uh to to help with this new part of recruiting and, and football and i think i think uh i think there's been a solid improvement with, with what ryan spears done so a couple of blue chip running backs on campus talked about that alluded to it a moment ago dalen smothers is one of those running backs uh michael uh there are emotional parents here this weekend because they really like the staff uh, sam singleton will be the second one we talk about but yeah. Uh, if you can comment on Dalen Smothers weekend and what he did with his official visit in Tallahassee. Yeah, FSU's been on him since he was a sophomore, probably even since 
Norvell's got the job of. They've had a really great relationship. Ryan Bartow, you know, David Johnson, Mike Norvell. I think everything is as a group has been phenomenal the way they've recruited him and and address what they're kind of, what they're kind of looking for. You know, they kind of look at this kid like, you know, he does some things like what Tony Pollard does with the Cowboys, which ironically, um, Norvell coached Tony Pollard. So he knows the thing about that. But <laughs> I think really just focusing kind of on more than just the football player. And that and that's really we, we mentioned that a lot, but it resonates with a lot of these players because it's real. It's not like you bring it up in passing. This is part of their recruiting thing that they really, before they even offer a kid, they, they feel like building a relationship with the kid is much more important before they offer than just offering them and then, okay, let me build a relationship because we might go after you. So they kind of do it different than a lot of teams and, and Dalen was one of those guys that, that they did that similar way. His mom was on the official visit. That's the first official visit she's actually been on. Now, she's been on visits, but not an official visit. So that's a big deal. That's significant. That raised my eyebrows when I first heard about that before he visited this weekend. And then really just the the job they did as far as really showing him their game plan as far as overall what they have you know, for, for Dalen and what they want him to be, how he, they see him fitting as a, as a student athlete, not just a football player, what, what you can contribute to the program going through all these things. And that's, I, I think the football aspect people get wrapped up on, but I think with FSU, the character and the kids they're going after are just as important as, as the skill. Yeah, and that's something that, you know, of all position groups, this might be atop the list or in the top two or three when it comes to what can you recruit successfully at Florida State? Because you've got the pedigree from before Coach Norvell was here. Cam Akers is not that long ago, uh, and he's obviously doing big things with the Rams, and Dalvin Cook speaks for itself when you have a player like that go to the next level. Mm -hmm. But then also you bring up a player like a Tony Pollard at Memphis that Mike himself and his offense has displayed. Florida State is in a unique position to impress running backs, and the second one, that was on campus this weekend uh, is Sam Singleton. Again, another blue chipper. Uh, Michael, he had a good weekend too, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Was, I mean, those are two of their top targets. They've been that the top two targets for a while. You know, they went to visit him several times in the evaluation period. And ironically, FSU is the only official visit that he's so far taken. And he's even hinted that, you know, hey, I might not do any more visits and I might just make a decision because – yeah, I heard they really pushed hard for both of these cats. I mean, they want them in the fold. They, these are the guys they want. They made it clear, like, no, nay, we want both of you guys. And I think they did a great job with with Sam throughout the weekend. And I think with Sam, he's more of a Dalen's more of an outgoing spirit. Uh, you know, very charismatic. Sam's more guarded and kind of quiet and direct. Uh, he his words are shorter, but his meaning is is just as is just as vital and. I think they, they did a great job with both of those guys. And getting – I mean, people see these official visits and are like, okay, the coaches just got to do a good job. But the players at yeah. your school are a big part of your selling point. You have to put guys that match the personality of, of the guys you're bringing. Like, you can't bring a boisterous guy and have him host, you know, a Sam Singleton. You got to get somebody that's kind of fits his personality, you know, that's kind of guarded and – stuff like that. And so I think they do such a good job of preparation, organization of getting the right guys around them and just did a tremendous job selling what the program is and, and then two, why they need him so much, why they need both of these guys so much. Um, so I think, uh, I think, I think with both of those guys, if I was picking today, I, I think they both end up at Florida state. I mean, just based on what I've seen and heard about the visits and based on you know stuff we've, We've gotten after the visit. I think uh, I think they're in a good spot for both of them. There's a good fun question here from Rooney Knoll. As you're watching Sunday Smash, presented by ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. I'll ask Michael before we sign off tonight what his spirit or uh, beverage of choice would be. But um, this is from Rooney Knoll, and uh, Rooney says, "Would you guys rather go?" And I'll ask it. I'll, I'll tweak it to recruiting. What's better for recruiting, Michael? Going eight and four with a loss to Florida, guaranteed, or going seven and five this season with wins against both. Miami and Florida. What do you think would actually be a better thing for Florida State on the circuit? I think the eight wins mark for me. I mean, because you beat one of your rivals. Um, 
if you went eight, what if you went eight and four and you beat Florida, but you lost to Miami? So I right. think that means more because <laughs> it speaks to what recruits want to see, which they want consistency of what your program. They want to see a more consistent package. Where if you're you get eight wins, you're showing consistent package. Seven and five, yeah, you're just that seven just seems to be bad, <laughs> you know, just compared to eight. But um, I just think kids, recruits just want to see a more consistent package. So I'm going to go with the – anytime you're mentioning more wins, I'm going to go with the more wins because the more wins, the more consistent uh, recruits and their families are going to look at your program. We'll get to uh, defensive lineman Tavion Gadsden in just a moment. But uh, a question I have for you is uh, related to last year. When I first started at Warchant full-time last year, we were uh, in the caravan on our way to Charlotte. I was sitting next to Austin. And, you know, getting to know him and, and I was asking him, so what are the coaching staff, what are they telling the players for this Tribe 22 class in terms of expectations? Like, are they promising them big things? And he was like quite the opposite. They're saying, you know, if we can go six and six, that'll be a successful season. So they weren't blowing sunshine last year that they were telling, you know, the kids honestly what this program was was going to do. And outside of a, a travesty with Jacksonville State, they pretty much hit the number. What are they telling recruits this year, Michael? Are they are they aggressive? Are they telling them eight wins is the target? Um, because I, I have to imagine at some point you have to start telling the kids that things are going to look better around here in the win-loss column. So, I mean, what is the sense that you get of what they're telling these, uh, these kids for 23? I don't know if they're putting a number on it, but I think they're saying consistently win. I mean, that's kind of the message they're preaching to recruits, and, and they know they have to win. As a staff, they have to win. So they understand that. So they're approaching it like straightforward, like – we're not going to put a number on how many wins, but I think they're saying we need to be more consistent. We got to win. I mean, that's their focus, really. Their goal is 10 wins. I mean, 10 or 11 wins. I think, no, is that realistic? Probably not, but that's kind of their mindset, you know, that they have to go in there that, you know, they got to win. And, and the recruits know that, but they're not selling a dream like, oh, yeah, we got all these transfers. We're going to be 11 and whatever, you know, win 11 games. They're telling kids like, what their deficiencies are, what the areas they need, and and, and going from there. They're not promising some stuff. There's no pitches. <laughs> and I think Roderick had the best uh, – Roderick Kearney had the best quote today, probably one of the best I've ever seen from offense line when he said – you know, to ask him about Norvell, and he was like, you know, he's not telling me you're number one, you know, on our list. He's telling me, hey, man, you bring it here, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to earn everything you get. You're going to have to, you know, we're building. So, you know, they're telling, I mean, that comment alone told you kind of how other people are doing stuff, you know, uh, and then how FSU is doing stuff. And I think while a lot of it was FSU, you know, their main competition with Kearney was Florida. And and he officially visited there this weekend. He committed the same day he was leaving. So they obviously did some things that rubbed him kind of the wrong way and he immediately committed to FSU so it just tells you when you you have to resonate with guys resonate the right way the message has to be consistent the message has to be heartfelt where it's genuine where recruits can buy into what you're selling first of all before I respond to that Eric Angel thank you so much he's one of our pillars here at Warchant TV nine and three he says if that's if it's nine and three uh, let me I'll spin this to a question Michael over under a top 10 class uh, ten and a half. So you got to pick over or under for Florida State if they win nine games. How good would this staff do? And I, how- I would say right in the fringe of top ten, and then maybe a ch- outside chance of top ten. But I'd say ten, fifteen. But yep. definitely, uh, that would be a dream scenario for this staff. Uh, going off what they did last year, you actually sold exactly what the staff wants to get, which they want to win. Like I said, I think ten, eleven is what they're their mindset on because we they want to get back to what the standard is but uh, i think nine wins i mean that would be a dream scenario i can tell you this i'll be busy as hell if if, it, if they win in nine games because i'll nobody will hear from me mom don't call because i'll be too busy because <laughs> there'll be recruits coming left and right that also means that michael september would be a good month by definition i don't think you can start you know one and two or one and three and then win out here with this schedule so that would mean mm-hmm. september for once has a big impact, and, and remind me to ask you that if I don't before we sign off today, but we'll continue down the line with the players. Defensive line, and we'll go to defensive line before Lucas Simmons, but Tavion Gadsden uh, was another one of the eight official visitors here this weekend. 
I see a positive word that begins with F in your summary on the premium <laughs> recruiting board. Uh, tell us about uh, your thoughts on Tavion Gadsden. Yeah, he was, uh, I put four forecast in and um, that he was one of them that I put in. I, I got some, I started getting vibes around Saturday morning that, Hey, things look good for this guy. We we're feeling really good plays mainly. Uh, he said he plays defensive end for his team, but I think they use him a little bit over. Sometimes they're, he's in the middle. Sometimes he's on the outside, but mostly his position is locked in at defensive end. And this is a guy that Odell is really loved uh, from the start. They recruited him hard. He's visited FSU three or four times in the spring. Uh, they just love the way he gets off the ball and his motor is, is incredible that, that just jumped out of him. And then his speed after he gets off the block is, is so good that he just, a guy that they, they extremely covet and guy that I forecasted, I think imp at FSU, he said, he's going to uh, decide in July. Uh, I think, I think that's kind of the standard answer, Tom, when, when I answer kids, like, what do you kids that are deciding in the summer, they just say July. So I, I think it could come even sooner than that. I think it could be, you know, next week or week or two, but, I think right now, and we have to see how, you know, if the visit kind of, if it, it changes their mind or they calm down. But I, I think everything seems to point, you know, to FSU uh, with Tavian. Well, if Odell is, is in on the kid and he really wants him, uh, then for me, that's that's all I need to hear because he's still got it, Michael. I mean, when you see, and I understand that they've got a reclassification this year in Tafasi as well, but when you see Daniel Lyons and Bishop Thomas on the practice field against grown men, and they don't even know what they're doing, technically speaking, and yet they're physically gifted enough to shed and get into the backfield against some pretty good offensive linemen, not not scout team, good offensive linemen. That tells me that Odell still very much knows what he's doing in terms of evaluation. So yeah, uh, it, yeah, it, I mean, you get the same sense. Yeah, I mean, it's there's two coaches. I mean, and this isn't an insult to anybody else, the coaches wise, because I see a lot of coaches at camp, but two coaches are so fun to watch teach. And that's Alex Atkins and, and Odell Higgins. I mean, Odell is extremely detailed on just the just smallest things. Like you can have your hands a little bit too low or high. He's going to notice it. He's just so technically sound as far as exactly what he's looking for. He's got it, man. I mean, I see him out there and he, he coaches these recruits just as hard as, as I see when, when they're at practice and, and you can always hear that word finish from Odell, every every no matter who who he's coaching, and you know, I actually, I ask him one day after the campus, like you having fun. He's like, "Oh yeah, this is my thing." You know, so you, you could tell this is what he lives for. This is his passion, and and the dude's got it. I mean, when you put as many guys in the league as he does, that's impressive enough. But he's a guy that's uh, if if you ever been around him, he's exactly the guy that you see even when he was the interim coach for FSU. He's exactly the guy. That's the same guy over and over. You can see with so many coaches out there that they're two different ways. If you get them in person, if you get them, you know, um, um, coaching, but Odell is the genuine article. He, he's everything you see and uh, he's got it. I mean, you, you can see it and just the way players talk about that guy recruits talk about that guy. It's just different. I mean, just the way, not only did he teaches things, but uh, the, the way, um, he personally connects with a kid, you know, because he understands what it's like to come from, you know, maybe you're not highly rated, not really highly regarded, but you have the skill to play. He has a lot of, he under, he can resonate with a lot of those kids there, go through that. And then the top guys, he can resonate because he's, he's played for FSU. He's played for some great teams at Florida State. So he understands what it takes to be elite. Yeah, I think part of it is uh, he's got good knees now that he can walk around the practice field. So that probably makes him enjoy the job a little bit more. But you're right. And and when I say, Michael, that, you know, these freshmen don't know what they're doing, that's not my own assessment. I'm not a scout. But I hear Odell talking to them in practice. I'm like, oh, they, they really don't, don't know what they're doing from a leverage standpoint. And yet they're already really good players. So that, that's good to hear that uh, he still has a high interest yeah. in what he's doing. Silas T. Carpenter, thank you so much for your contribution to tonight's program, Sunday Smash. Make sure, everybody, to hit that like button underneath this video. It helps us find more FSU fans who want good coverage, and that's what we do at Warchant TV. Uh, a couple of people are asking when the next recruiting call-in show is. Stay tuned, folks. Just subscribe to the channel, and you'll be alerted ahead of time when we schedule an event. 
like the recruiting chat. We'll see if we get one in before the holiday or after, but it's coming soon, and Michael will answer your question. So uh, that'll be a, a fun time. Uh, back to the offensive line. We've only got about 15 minutes left in the show, Michael. I got a hockey game to watch tonight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lucas Simmons, tell me about the blue chipper, Lucas Simmons. It's not just a four-star that commits to Florida State. There's another four-star that was on an official this weekend. What's Lucas Simmons' experience like in Tallahassee? Yeah, Lucas is is one of those national prospects. Uh, he's from outside, the, you know, that nationally everyone's going to be recruiting them. Southern Cal, Florida, FSU seem to be the teams that I hear the most. And then he's another one where Atkins found him first, where the, there was he was the hardest on him. And certainly, you know, we hear like there's positive things as far as the weekend. There wasn't a situation where we heard like, okay, this kid's definitely coming here, but. I, th- I think there's there's good buzz, uh, you know, as far as, you know, the visit. They, I think FSU feels really good about how the visit went and, and articulated and, and just everything that connected and, and the way uh, the family engaged and, and stuff like that. I think everything, they feel good about that. And he's going to make a decision, uh, I think, in July. Uh, I want to say early July, maybe uh, July 5th or something like that, or maybe just after that. But I think uh, getting that last visit, is a big deal. Um, I think I don't think that was by accident. I think FSU has been on him the longest or one of the longest, and and I think they've done a tremendous job. It's just uh, we have to wait and see, uh, you know, kind of what I'm going to hear from my ears to the ground of how much, you know, we just don't know that yet. But I think there is some buzz with FSU with Lucas and kind of goes back to what um, I talked about with, with, with Kearney. I, I remember when Lucas visited, the first time he's like, I've never had a coach tell me that many things that I did wrong, you know, and, and that many things and break down kind of what my future and what I want, I want to do outside of football. I've never had a coach that was so direct and so honest and, and personable about caring about that stuff. So I think that resonates with, with Lucas a lot. And a lot of, the, we hear that all uh, a lot with the office linemen. So this isn't like the first time, but it's still, that kind of message and that kind of, uh, you know, a way of attack is is definitely uh, benefiting Alex. So we'll uh, we'll get to the remainder of players here in just a moment. But, Michael, uh, a quick yes or no question. Does the Kearney commitment help impact in a positive way Lucas Simmons? Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, because it, it tells you, hey, man, this guy feels about Atkins. I'm not alone. Uh, but I, I think any kind of top commit from a guy like Roger Kearney, is going to be a positive. Now, I think the guy that it will probably affect the most is four-star defensive tackle Jordan Hall. He's close. They're they're really close friends. Jordan even told me when they're at the league camp, like, yeah, we talk about you know going to the same school a lot, um, going against each other, and they love going against each other. Um, so I think that would be the guy that impacts the most. I'm not saying Jordan's coming here. I'm just saying it certainly benefits FSU there. I think it helps a guy like Lucas because he sees what they're building there. He sees – kind of line it's just it's going to come down to kind of what's the most important thing to you you know as a player I mean that's that's really what the decision's about and recruiting can be simple like that where each guy has a different kind of thing that that's key to him you know some are like hey I want to be around the coach that I know is going to develop me you know some is the the culture and and winning some of them are just you know pure winning you know so you know, obviously NIL with some kids is 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 vital. So um, I think it really just comes down to did FSU hit on the boxes that the most that Lucas cares about. One of the final three players. Uh, forgive me, Michael. This is why you cover it for, on on a day to day basis, and I don't. But let me make sure I get this kid's name right. Kel- Keldrick Falk. Is that right? Is it yes, Keldrick Keldrick Falk. Um, okay. Out of Alabama. Um, it's. Um, Coming into the visit, this is another one. Uh, he's visited FSU like seven, six or seven times. And Keldrick actually told me, like, this was this. It was mainly for my mom because I've seen everything. I'm around these coaches. I know what they are. Um, what I what raised my eyebrows when he said, I purposely made sure FSU was the last visit because of the relationship I have with these guys. So hmm. says a lot that he wanted to see FSU last. Certainly had rave reviews and everything. He's definitely going to announce on July 5th. Um, coming into the visit, heard a lot of buzz just that FSU was was doing well, That but Auburn was right there on their heels. It was a close battle with FSU and Auburn. So uh, I, I, I lean a little bit more towards FSU. 
uh, after this visit. I just think uh, relationships matter a lot to Keldrick. That's kind of a what matters to you. And I think that's a big deal to Keldrick and to um, JP has done a great job, um, you know, recruiting him and, and connecting with him in a way that other other teams haven't. And 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 two for people that saw the picture when he arrived, <laughs> this kid loves Mike Norvell. Like really. Uh, the relationship with him and, the, and Norvell seems to be a little bit different than probably the other head coaches that uh, that I hear. When I talk to Keldrick, he talks differently the way he talks about, you know, Mike Norvell. So I think that could be, you know, a determining factor. But I think it went well. I think it was it was really good. I, I, like I, I said, I, I leaned lean slightly towards FSU on that one at this point. It's crazy, Michael. Uh, you're right. It sounds like a lot in the first week of July. Um, I'll, I'll do this stupid cliche dad thing. A lot of potential fireworks for Florida yeah. State around the July 4th holiday. I, I have to stop myself and ask this question, though, real quick. Just I know that people are very concerned about recruiting momentum, especially dating back maybe a week or two ago. I'm, I'm sure they feel better mm -hmm. today. But this isn't sunshine pumping, is it, Michael? This feels like legitimate momentum, and they've formed some legitimate relationships with these players. Yeah, like I said, it doesn't get real until you get one that's good, yeah. like committed, like Roger Kearney jumping on board. That's that's when it comes real. It's like me, I could tell you all this stuff, and, and yeah, I trust, I mean, my sources are about as close as you get to the situation, but it doesn't matter what I say. People, to, until you see a commit on there or several commits on there, it's a start. Um, it's a start of momentum, but you feel the, the buzz just – it's a very positive weekend. I mean, it was a very – I mean, the, the the stuff we heard around the visits was very positive, and that's why I wanted to kind of wait a day. I told people last night I wanted to wait a day before I actually discuss all these guys, but I, I, I think they're – I think they're doing everything humanly possible that you can do based on what they're coming off of from the previous season. I think they're doing – They've addressed the roster. They've added guys. They added God knows how many offensive linemen transfers uh, in there. Added four receivers in there. Um, added all these pieces. And then you add that in with the 2022 class, who a lot of these guys got introduced to the media on uh, the other day, and, and, and they're talented, uh, so they could help. Um, so I think they've done everything you can do. Now it's just about uh, you know winning games uh, consistently. So we're going to pivot a little bit. DeMarco Ward, Avery Stewart, there are updates right now on both of those players on Warchant.com. Hit up the website to find out about those particular players. Michael has been, for the better part of an hour now, uh, just going down the line player by player. <laughs> Let me ask you a couple of uh, big picture questions as we kind of shoot the breeze and wrap it up here on Sunday Smash. Jeff and I talk about this on the Jeff Cameron Show, which you can find here on Warchant TV weekdays at 1 o'clock. Um talking about how critical September is. And I just wanted to get from your perspective with the early signing period being here for at least for now, December 15th, just the proximity of the season to that time is, is so critical, Michael. And so my question is, if you had to rank the months in terms of importance for you know, getting a commit, is September the most critical month? Like, can you lose a recruit from a slow start? And, and might you like, let's just say you start fast and, and maybe it's mediocre towards the end. Is a fast start more important in the world of recruiting? I think for this team, it is. Uh, my month would be that month. Uh, started off last year 0-4. Um, disastrous, uh, all that stuff, people people know. But if you if you start, if, if this, um, you build stuff, or what you did in the summer, you're hosting official visitors, you have to have something to carry over. And the carryover is the start of that year. And you know, I can't stress enough that LSU game, it, it could be a massive momentum building uh, situation for FSU because you play Duquesne the first week, then you play LSU. If you somehow pull that win, you play, you you get a bye week, yep. then you play Louisville on a short week, Well, they have a short week of playing you. So I know it's on the road, but, and then you, you, the possibility of just going 3-0 and is a dramatic shift mm -hmm. in your recruiting momentum because it carries over what you did in the summer. Whereas if you start like one and two, it's not going to, it's kind of going to be dud factor out those, uh, you know, that momentum that you built in the summer. So for me, I would say that that first uh, early month in September is, is a big deal. So yeah, for me, this is my theory. And, and let's see if you agree with it. Um, 
the Louisville game might be more important when it comes to ACC hierarchy and just getting over the hump in your own damn division. And it's just so sickening to watch Florida State finish in the middle or the bottom half of the Atlantic. Like, what the hell are we doing? So the Louisville game might be more important in that regard. But given that you play LSU, you're the only game in town on a Sunday night, and then you've got a bye week, that game has to be, from a recruiting standpoint, objectively more important than Louisville. Would you agree, Michael? Because they can hit the recru- hit the road and go to Friday Night Lights the week after with the momentum and be you know, the, the shiny new car for these kids. Would you agree with that, or do you think the Louisville game might actually be more important than LSU? No, I think um, the thing is with that, say you win all three of those games, but what happens if you lose the following week after Louisville? You know, right. Nobody's going to really care about that Louisville game. Uh, so I think with recruits, national television, LSU, playing them with Louisiana, it's a national matchup. People can recognize to LSU. That's a national program that has relevance. Uh, Brian Kelly now there. So, I think the LSU game would have give you such a dramatic jump in recruiting because nationally people would take notice. Kids from Idaho and New Hampshire and all the players in the South would be massive. I mean, where people be talking about this for you know weeks. You know, you beat Louisville, people are going to be talking about it for like two days. You know, so I think I think LSU is the biggest thing. Uh, it could shift stuff. I think I think the LSU game and then the next one. Uh, for me, is uh, you know you beat Miami last year at home. I think the Clemson game is massive, uh, just from a confidence and psyche standpoint of saying, "Hey, we're taking the next step. That we want to compete in our division." I know they're getting rid of the divisions next year, but it 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 sends a message because, regardless of what you know, Wake Forest and Pitt did last year, Clemson's still the standard when it comes to ACC football. You know, until somebody consistently is there as much as they are. So I think from a psyche and confidence standpoint, for me, that Clemson game is, is, is big. Michael Langston has been sharing with us uh, insights across the board on the ground updates from this weekend, big picture stuff. We really appreciate Michael's time here on Warchant TV. Make sure to like this video, hit the subscribe button for all of the insights here at Warchant TV. Come back to us if this is your first foray with Warchant TV. This is the kind of coverage we provide. Uh, a fun question. On the way out, and I'll answer Kayvon's Facebook comment. Kayvon's always on the edge with his comments, okay. but he asked uh, me with the Lightning game tonight and being Sunday Smash, can I have a beverage? Like I could, Kayvon. Uh, championship games, I try not to have too many beverages. You, I mean, you just want to feel the feelings when when you're playing for at the championship round or, or level. And also, Kayvon, my parents were in town last night, so good red wine was had by all, a fair amount of it. So I'm taking it easy tonight. But uh, Michael, I promise I'd ask you. Uh, let's say it's been a, a great week of work. Florida State has had some positive momentum. You've been breaking stories left and right. You sit down, you open up your cabinet, and you have a spirit of choice. What are you having? See, see, I'm not as good as you. I mean, Aslan had some incredible answers. I'm not even good as you. <laughs> right, and Gene's really big on all the drink. See, I keep it simple. For me, my go-to is Michelob Ultra. I love I love the taste. I love the just the, the feeling of it. Liquor, uh, I guess it depends on uh, what the score is in the period. Uh, uh, probably, <laughs> Tom, I wish I could do the YouTube video of Diane in the last third period of the last game. Oh. Like, she was jumping around so nervous she could barely even watch. So, I, I, but for, uh, you know, for me, it's just, I, I can't, I'm, I'm an old school guy, simple. I keep it Michelob Ultra. I love it. Yeah, that's what I do for the post game show. If I have anything, unless it's like a rivalry win. It's a straight light beer because, you know, you know this, Michael, there's a lot of switchboarding that goes on with this stuff. You you can't be an air traffic controller and be sucking down Captain Morgan. It just it doesn't really it doesn't really work. Um, But uh, ABC Fine Wine and Spirits has sponsored tonight's program. Go support them. If you're in the state of Florida, you know where your local ABC is. You know, be honest with yourself. Go visit them the next time you need to celebrate or drown your sorrows, whatever it is. uh, Head to ABC Fine Wine and Spirits. Michael, thank you so much for the extended time tonight. Uh, really appreciate it. A lot of hard work by you this weekend. Obviously, Austin Cox is helping quite a lot as well. But thank you so much for the time. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking soon on a WarChant TV product uh, sooner than later. Yeah, I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I think you you alluded to it. Uh, um, a lot of people see the product, uh, but they th- uh, it ain't all me, guys. Uh, Irish Chaffel, Austin Cox was incredible, uh, you know, coming over there and, and helping daily, obviously. Yeah, I, th- I, 
like these people are out there seven, eight hours a, a day, uh, and we're up there almost every day. You know, it's not about feeling sorry. I'm just kind of explaining to people kind of the work that everyone puts into this. So uh, I I cannot do this alone. Uh, we 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 are uh, the team we have is incredible. Uh, we have an incredible team, the best team. I wouldn't trade these guys for the world. And uh, thanks so much to everybody that has helped. Thanks to all the people that watched. There was a lot of stuff that we've covered, but uh, you know, stay tuned to War Chant. Uh, got a lot more stuff, and we got a kind of a special treat for you guys when I do the upcoming hot board in July. So stay tuned for that. The hot board season is here, everybody, and uh, July is next Friday. That is the month that FSU football camp will start. So lock it in to War Chant TV. Now is the time. It's absolutely free to subscribe to this channel. Please do before you head on your merry way. Go Bolts tonight, everybody. That is partisan. I don't give a damn. Let's see if we can force a game seven. There you go. For Michael Langston, Azlan Hajavandi, who started the program with me tonight, to Director Matthew, who was wonderful working the switchboard. Thank you, Matthew. Good night, everybody on War Chant TV. We'll talk to you next time.